Good morning, everyone, and welcome to church for Sunday, the 27th of March. Uh, today is Mother's Day, of course, and Psalm 36 reminds us of God's love. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day on which we come to worship you. We come to bring you our praise and our thanks. Thanking you today for all of those people in our lives that have shown us love. We think especially today of mums and we thank you for mums. Mums who brought us into the world. Mums who are here with us, uh, mums who are no, no longer with us, but for whose love and sacrifice and prayers we remain ever thankful. And also for those who've taken it up upon themselves to be mothers showing your kindness and love. We praise you for all of them. Lord, help us on this Mother's Day to show our love and appreciation for them. Um, because they're a gift from you. And we give you thanks. Lord, as we come to worship you this morning, we confess to you our sins of the past week, sins of neglect, wrong things said, wrong things done. Our sins of commission, our sins of pride are so clear to us. But Lord, your arms of mercy are open wide. And so we pray that whatever holds us back from your embrace this morning, or the care and embrace of others, we ask, Lord, that you would remove that now by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we might know what it means to be adopted by the blood of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Our reading today is a very well-known one, taken from Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, beginning uh, with a, a few verses at the beginning of the chapter and then Picking up again in verse 11. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his, his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, 
but no one give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hard servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hard servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never give me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Well, today we're, we're getting back into the season of Lent, picking up again with the, the lectionary readings in the lead up to Easter, which isn't that far away now. Um, and I know today happens to be Mother's Day, and we're thinking maybe about the love of mothers, something about which the Bible does have quite a lot to say in how we understand God's love. But the focus of our, our passage today is the love of a father towards his two sons. Two sons who grew up under the same roof but appear to be quite different. And like many of Jesus' stories, this one is full of surprises, scandalously so. Especially surprising here are the various responses of this father in the story. I'm really glad that our reading today includes the little introduction in verses 1 to 3 in chapter 15 because it sets the context for this parable of the lost son. One of the, the favourite, perhaps the, the best loved of all of the parables of Jesus, which in, in so many ways summarises for us the gospel. The context for this parable being told by Jesus was that two groups of people, one group the tax collectors and, and other outcasts were listening to what Jesus had to say. The other group, 
as the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were grumbling that Jesus was welcoming and eating and spending his time with such people as these tax collectors and sinners. Now the parable is about quite a wealthy landowner whose younger son um, very cheekily comes to his father and says, look, you're strong as an ox. I can't wait to get away from this place. I can't wait around here until you die. Give me my inheritance now so I can get away and find a life for myself. Can you imagine the, the deep hurt of any father hearing such a thing? And yet what's really surprising in this story is that the father says, okay, if that's what you really want, if that's what you think is going to make you happy, then here, here you are. And he arranged for his entire estate to be divided between the two sons. Now, Jewish law stated that the elder son would receive a double portion of any inheritance, including the property rights. And the younger son in this story would therefore have received a third of the value of the father's estate. And so after gathering his belongings and his inheritance, this younger son headed off to the far country. I can imagine the father left standing outside the family home, heartbroken, watching him go, just hoping maybe that, that his son might, might turn round at one, one final time. But this son, he resolutely sets out to make his own destiny. Off he goes, uh, maybe to the hedonistic Greek cities of the Decapolis, uh, to the area east of, of Galilee. And there, we're told, he wasted his money on wild living. In fact, it, was, it wasn't long before he had spent everything that he had. You might wonder how that could happen to, to a single man with no commitments and such a large sum of money, but it does happen, and I've seen it happen to people. I've seen it happen to someone who, who won millions of pounds in the lottery within a few years there was nothing and we see it happen to celebrities we see it happens to happen to sports stars as they spend their money away and on on white living um but in addition to that jesus tells us in this story that that circumstances around this, this sun changed um a severe famine hit and therefore food prices began to to rocket until this son, this younger son, had literally nothing. But that wasn't the lowest point that he reached. To just survive, he had to sell himself as a pig farmer. Culturally, religiously, the most detestable job for any Jew. And he even got to the point where, where he envied what the pigs were, were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. This wasn't the destiny that he imagined for himself. Of course it wasn't. And surely it wasn't the destiny that, that God had for him. All he had left were his memories. As he remembers the man who is his father, as he remembers how his father supplied him with all that he needed, and eventually he came to his senses and decided to turn around and to go home. In Second Chronicles 7, verse 14, it reads, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. 
this son's time away in a faraway land from very far from home, away from his father, has humbled him to the point where he's actually now closer to his true destiny than he could ever have imagined. At the lowest point in his life, at the very point where all seemed to be finished for him, love and grace is already writing another chapter in the story. We should never misinterpret low points in our lives as the final point in the story. God writes nobody off as finished. Other people may do, um, but each and every person is seen and known and loved by God who wants to redeem them and to lift them up and to bring them home into his merciful arms, restoring them for all that he has destined them to be. And the son sets off home, and as he does so, he rehearses what, what he might say to his father. Father, I've sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your, your hard workers. Now, hard workers would have had the status below slaves. They could be fired at will. They had no rights. Uh, no doubt he tried to imagine in his mind, this son, um, how that conversation with his father would go. How would you respond if you were that parent? Would you be angry? I'd imagine you would. Um, you might say, would you look at the state of you? Don't, don't you come looking for sympathy now? But in that culture of Jesus' day, it's hard to under, underestimate the shame it, that there would be in a son returning home in such disgrace, the shame brought upon this family. But here's an, another surprising twist in this story because before the son even reaches the house, the father is running down the road, arms open to meet him and to embrace him. Older men, fathers in that culture, would, would never be seen running. That would be shameful. And the servants are, are all aghast. But before they could say anything, the father is ordering them to find the best robe to put a ring on this son's finger to bring him shoes to kill the fattened calf, um, that calf that was being kept for that very special family occasion. Let's celebrate with a party, he says, for this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. The father in this story is surely a picture of God, our heavenly father, and his grace. The youngest son in this story didn't believe that he deserved his father's forgiveness. And he didn't. But the grace of God reaches out to repentant sinners as he welcomes them home with open arms. A few hours later in this story, the other son comes back from, from work as he approaches the house. He sees all the lights on. He hears music and laughter. He hears people dancing. He snaps his fingers and summons one of the servants and he asks, what's going on here? And the servant nervously replies, sir, um, it's your brother. He's come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he got him back safe and sound. The older brother is so angry that he can't bring himself even to enter the house. He will not speak to his brother. He will not even look at that brother of his. He is fuming. Here he has worked 
all these years as the dutiful son, never disobeyed, and he feels he has received not even so much as a barbecue in the back garden for him and his friends, but now he says to his father, this waster of a son, after spending all your property on prostitutes, has the cheek to come back home and you kill the prize calf for him. I suspect that he's not the only one who feels angry. In fact, I suspect there are a few listening to this, maybe, who who also know something of that kind of, of anger, who maybe for years have been taking care of a sick or elderly relative or who do all the thankless jobs in the family or in the church. You're the reliable, dependable ones, and yet you feel you're still waiting for that acknowledgement, your fattened calf, if you like, still waiting to be shown the honour that you deserve. But look at what the father in this story does. He goes out from the party, out the back, to speak gently and lovingly to the older sibling. My son, he says, you are always here with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because your brother was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. Actually, um, we've got to realise that the older sibling got a larger share of his father's inheritance. And the father wants his sons, both of them, to know how much he loves both of them. Both of them are wrong in how they understand God's grace. The younger son is so very sure uh, that that. He doesn't deserve the grace and the forgiveness of his father. He can't receive that faith, that, that grace and forgiveness. The older brother sitting out the back of the house while the party goes on inside is so very sure that he, he does deserve the grace and the favour of his father. He's earned it. And they're both wrong about this grace because the story of Jesus, the story that Jesus tells here is all about God's grace. The father is not operating based on what is deserved or what's not deserved but he's operating on an entirely different plane he's operating in grace which is freely given i remember when i was a was in my teens our youth leader in church used to invite us to imagine our lives replayed on a great big screen every moment recorded on miles of videotape if we could watch every action of our lives the way that God sees it, we'd be less inclined to ask for what we deserve. And yet we receive grace from God. We all receive grace. Whether we're the prodigals or whether we're the elder siblings in this story. And as God our Heavenly Father reconciles with us through his Son, so he expects us to be reconciled with one another in Christ. Today, um, amongst us, I'm sure there are those who identify with the prodigal son in this story. And I'm sure there are those who identify with the older sibling in this story. And maybe those who can identify with both. But wherever you are today, whether you're nervously edging up the driveway, rehearsing what you might say, or pouting in the back porch, isn't it time to come inside? Isn't it time to come home? Amen. Let's now come to God with our prayers.
for one another and our prayers for our world. Let's pray. Lord, today we ask you to bless mothers and carers around the world who are raising children, keeping them safe and enabling the next generation to thrive. We pray for peace and healing for all of those who are grieving or who find today hard. And we lift up families torn apart by conflict or disasters. Lord, we pray that you would reunite them, comfort them, provide for them and help them to flourish. Lord, we keep on praying for an end to the war in Ukraine. We pray for liberation of those areas that have been invaded and occupied. We pray, Lord, that there'll be a ceasefire, that no more lives will be lost on both sides. We pray that people might be able to get to safety and to find food and clean water and warmth. And for all of those who have been displaced from their homes, Lord, we pray for welcome and embrace in the countries and communities in which they find refuge. Lord, may that process of relocation be made easier in our own country, in the UK, so that the many offers of help that there are might be responded to. Lord, help us also not to forget Russian citizens living under the increased pressure and difficulties from sanctions. Lord, be with those who are facing real hardship at this time, struggling to pay for food and fuel. And be also with those who have courageously spoken out against the war in their country. We pray, Lord, for restored freedoms and rights in Russia. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ there, that they would, that you would help them as they, they reach out to help and support others and stand for truth and righteousness. Lord, hear our prayers today. In Christ's name. Amen. And now may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.